The AOP is brought to you today by GG Poker, the world's leading online poker room. What makes them the leading player? Well, they have more players than any other site. In fact, GG Poker holds the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament since September 2020. They put fun at the heart of it in every game and have unique features that you can't find on any other site. They offer games for all skill levels, whether you're new to poker or a seasoned pro with popular games like Texas Hold'em and Omaha to unique games like All In or Fold and Spin and Gold. So what's in it for you? New players that make a £10 deposit get £60 in free play. That is a £10 deposit to get £60 in free play. So go visit ggpoker.co.uk. New UK players only. Minimum deposit £10. Full T&Cs apply. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mirror man, mirror man. You twist and turn my mind until I don't. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am joined here by Johnny Cochran in the kitchen. How are you doing, Johnny? <laughs> yes, there's a rat in my kitchen and all that. Um, I'm Yeah, I'm good. I am, I've been banished, like many a gooner out there. I've watched my football downstairs while my son's in bed and now I have to podcast from my kitchen like... You know, a, a naughty teenager, I've been ushered away. But quite frankly, these are the nights where football feels dirty. It feels dirty to what it's done to us. Um, it doesn't feel nice. feels like a naughty little secret that we've got. And it doesn't feel good, basically. It's not rewarding. And, um, you know, we're all, as a kind of goonosphere, trying to process what we saw. And try and work out our... Ultimately, what's happening is we're all trying to work out our level of panic, if you like, our panicometer. Uh, where should it be? Because there definitely should be some. Anyone who's not panicking at all probably wasn't paying attention today. But on the same note, people who are like, oh, my God, it's all over, season over and stuff, I think probably need to be a little bit more realistic. It was one game, a painful game, but we need to hope that the team are looking at this in the right way, which is it was an awful game, shit game. Many people had their worst games of the season in this game, I thought. We literally put it in the dustbin. Don't think about it anymore. The next game is an opportunity to prove our, ourselves. And um, we obviously, it just ratchets up the pressure on all the games to come. But hopefully we can snap back to the good form that we were showing before um, the international break. Yeah, I think the problem... The 
Arsenal tend to have is that when we're bad, we're we're really, really bad and everything comes undone. This feels as bad as the Everton game. Except maybe it feels a little bit worse than the Everton game because this was the start of a 10-game run where we could really chase down top four and we completely blew it. Um, And this is the first game in a while where it felt like the bad old days. Individual errors, not of the races. Um, But it is only one game and this team has had singular bad games a few times this season and we've always managed to bounce back. But like you say, there are some ominous issues that we will talk about. Um, So uh, let's just get straight into the hottest of takes. Uh, Johnny, what was your singular hot take from a game full of multiple things that could, uh, could could be put forward right now? Well, you've said singular, mate, and I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think you're going to manage. No, I don't think I am. I'm going to put some. I'm going to regurgitate some thoughts that are going through my brain, and if there's multiple, then you know, shoot me. Right, let's let's go. Um, that was an extremely, extremely tough watch, and it was a tough watch because you kind of hinted at it. It it showed us a glimpse back to where we used to be, which was you can get at us physically, a little bit of rough and tumble, we go hiding, everyone's blushing. Now, it's not to say that I don't think, I, you know, I think we shied away in this, exactly the same ways as we did in the past, where, like, they literally would panic upon any physical altercation on the pitch. I do think that there was effort there, but what it was, it came down to a lack of intensity. And... You know, it's not like the likes of Gabriel and that weren't willing to get their foot stuck in in the game. But Palace were hounding us all the time. And and so much of what we've done in recent times has been about being able to play against the press, not panic, be very calm on the ball, break quickly because teams overcommit, we can pass around them. And ultimately, if people do want to... um, you know, play us with an intensity, well, they're going to get at least that coming back at them. That has been the bedrock of what we have seen in recent weeks, like in terms of our ascendancy to where we where we were, certainly before, you know, Tottenham jumped us on goal difference. Um, the, the fact is, is that there are a number of ways that we can look and, um, you know, draw conclusions from what we've seen. And some of them will you know, look, reflect poorly on the manager and and management, um, but not necessarily um, in ways that I, you know, have criticised Arteta and the like in the past about we're starting so flat and that is on the manager. And I do think there is an element of that. But it also comes down to players being able to, like, I'm sorry, I've banged Arteta when I think he needs to be banged, but there are certain players that just do not look up for it. Now, there will be some people out there, uh, you know, obviously the headline grabber out of it, particularly in the first half, was Nuno Tavares, who looked like he would struggle at under-12 level. Um, I mean, it was just, it was, a, it was a complete mess. A tyre fire of a performance. And the sad thing is, when we're hearing murmurings that Kieran Tierney is going to be out long-term... This is going to be a guy that we're going to have to see again before the end of the season. So if someone wants to criticise Arteta for, you know, potentially not involving Tavares, because this was my issue. Um, Basically, there are some players who just are not good enough to be able to come in and hit the ground running all the time. And the guy hasn't played 
for, for, for weeks and weeks, really. Like, obviously, he's, he's had a, a game recently, but in, before that, he was going for huge chunks uh, without getting any game time. And so some players can't just start it like that. With Tavares earlier in the season, he had a few games back-to-back, and he looked like he was building form. I don't think he's going to be a guy you can just pick up and plug in. He, he doesn't look ready for that. But ultimately, um, you know, to try and bring this all back to one point, I won't, I'm not going to bash Arteta over getting the players ready. And I was actually quite encouraged with the tactics that he was trying, at least in the second half, i.e. putting on loads of attackers and just going for it, you know, starved of uh, radical change in the Wenger years where we, we couldn't see anything before 60 minutes. And Lord knows um, in the latter years, it would never be anything this radical. So I did like the fact we were going for it. We were trying to change something. But the biggest critique of the manager and the people in charge at the club will come down to the lack of activity in January. When you look at the situation that we find ourselves in, I can't look at this situation and say, this is not what we will... People like myself who were saying we do need to splurge in the transfer market. This is what we're worried about. Ten games left, away at Palace. You're having to bring on Eddie Nketiah, who, quite frankly, we'll talk about that later in the pod, <laughs> looks way more um, impressive than striker we start with every week. But if you're having to start with Tommy um, with uh, Tavares, if Cedric is going into his seventh game on the bounce, you know, our squad is fret absolutely threadbare and this is the stage of the season where those blemishes are going to really start to come to light and I just hope that we can limit the damage and we can make this just a bad night at the office and get back to winning ways against Brighton and who knows we might be able to ride out the storm but it's concerning it's concerning as to whether we can get that job done yeah like I don't don't know about the uh, the January transfer window you make it sound like there was uh, an option. The the great the great Bruno that everybody was pushing my direction can't beat John Joe Shelby into the Newcastle starting eleven. Then outside that, I, I, you know, if there were options, they would have moved on them. But I think the the biggest issue tonight for me were the centre backs. Uh, I, I will I will bring you up a level, Johnny. If William Saliba can't get into that centre back pairing next season, what's going on? Because those two were absolutely garbage. Ben White out of nowhere just decides, you know what? I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna smash somebody over, uh, and then they score from the free kick. You know, Tavares should have done better. Gabriel should have done better in the box, but like, come on, that free kick never should have happened. And then what is Gabriel doing uh, from that through ball? Never should have happened. But uh, you know, G- Gabriel starts to have, a, you know, if he starts a little bit wonky. It's a little bit like David Luiz. You know, you know what Gabriel you're going to get after two minutes. I thought the centre backs were absolutely atrocious today. Um, I think if you are honest, we probably had better chances today against Palace than we did against Aston Villa, and we didn't score any goals. Um, and it, you know, they they have five shots on target. They scored three. Um, they were better than us, a lot better than us in the first half. Um, and I'm hoping that we can. I would be more confident about putting it down to a bad day at the office if we hadn't have lost party, if we hadn't have experienced late stage buoy um, symptoms with uh, Tavares uh, and Lacazette had been a little bit better. Lacazette looked like a, looked like a player that had maybe signed a deal with a new club towards the end. He was absolutely atrocious. Um, so 
a bad, bad day. Um, but I, I, I think the biggest problem today was the centre-backs and, and they set the tone for the rest of the game and we never managed to get our way out of it. So let's... Um, Let's move into uh, let's let's go straight into Tavares. Uh, somebody's criticizing us in the comments. They're saying, "Oh, you two praising Tavares after three good games." I'm sorry, he had more than three good games at the start of the season. I love people are like, "Hey, what you should do is you should wait until the very end of the season on a, on a podcast called the Arsenal Opinion to have an opinion about Nuno Tavares." Sorry, my friend, that's not how it worked. Tavares was great at the start of the season. Uh, that's undeniable. Uh, he has struggled with confidence. Getting yanked for a second time at half time feels like a terminal decision. Uh, Johnny, are we about to see Granite Xhaka at left back for the rest of the season? Or does Arteta have to try and get Tavares up to speed? Because that that is a that's a that's a that that feels like a, a death blow. Yeah, I mean, I think the way you've kind of laid it out is is pretty apt, to be honest. It, I'm not sure whether it is necessarily terminal, but it feels like it could be. I think it's 50-50. Um, it's quite clear that the guy, as you, say, as you were saying, you know, is a little short on confidence. And at the end of the day, when you do this, these kind of rebukes in, in public, and don't get me wrong, it's not to say that Tavares necessarily deserved anything else. He was having a stinker. But he wasn't alone. There were a lot of other people out there, not anywhere near the level required. A lot of but senior players having stinkers. Senior players. Well, I mean, he's got an excuse. It's not to say that, you know, at Arsenal, we can deal with loads of people having this excuse. But genuinely, when you haven't played much over the last four or five months, you're coming in, you're being asked to play away at Sellers Park. It's not like, you know, having a kick around with your mates. These guys were out. They were re- ready to rough people up. And... He just didn't look at it. But the fact is, is even at his best, he never looked the most defensively sound. But, you know, I, what this comes back to for me is, you know, you, you talk about uh, what was available ultimately in January. What I said, OK, at the time was it's not necessarily about buying your starting player for the next, you know, five or six years in each position. But we were, we were short from a squad level. Just just like bodies, you know what I mean? We're talking about like 17 players rolling to the end of the season. And some of our most important players within our current setup are massively injury prone. We cannot sit here with 10 games to go, going, it looks like Kieran Tierney's season's over. And anyone, you know, colour me shocked, guys. This guy breaks down all the time. And we must have known that there was a good chance that, that Nuno Tavares was going to be getting serious game time towards the end of the season because Tierney would have been out, you know, for for either a short or medium term in that time. And he's, and he's got injured. And then Thomas Party again. And and the only thing I would say, you know, I, I under, like I'm not, I'm not going to come down too hard on him. Ultimately, I think that the decision that was made or the, by the lack of incomings, we chose to ride this squad out to the end of the season. But namely... We chose to ride our first team out to the end of the season. It was never going to be a huge, you know, huge rotations because we don't have, you know, two games a week. We had just the Premier League to focus on and it was our aim to keep our main players fit and just hope that they could get the job done for us. However, Thomas Partey, another one who looks injury prone, he's now fallen down as well. So what I mean is, you know, to bring it back to 
to Tavares. Some of these guys who, um, like Laconga coming in now as well, Tavares and Laconga haven't been given much game time. And we're now asking them to step in at a level where the likes of Kieran Tierney and Party have been playing very well recently. So we we can't afford to have big drop-offs. And I think that ultimately we should have we should have bolstered in January. There's no question. It looks it, a game like today, it looks glaringly obvious that we needed to. Um and and not necessarily with 60, 70 million pound players, but players who were better than what we had. It's not hard to find a striker better than Eddie and Ketia. You know, I don't think it is. At the moment, it's not hard to find a a left back who looks, you know, more secure than Nuno Tavares. But there we go. But either way, we are now going to have to use all of the squad if we are going to get there. And for me, Tavares, I don't know whether Arteta has has seen enough with him after this performance and he's going to ride Granite Xhaka out. But if we do and party's out, it leaves us woefully short in the middle of the park. And in which case, I think, the main thing that we have to do is get Tavares back on side, and you know, is he going to be is he going to be ready to do that? I, I hope, I hope Arteta can get that job done, and it will seriously be a test of his managerial acumen now, and whether he has developed on the skill set that he was found wanting in his early Arsenal career, in in order to repatriate players who've maybe you know grown tired of him. And I hope that Tavares can not lose the will, if you like it, and um, get back to playing well for us because I think we're going to need him. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's going to it's going to be tough, but it, it also works both ways. It might just might it might not be good enough, right? It wasn't a, a Tavares wasn't a start off a of Benfica, and Benfica are pretty good judges of of talent. He was a, he was a backup defender, and if he's come over to the Premier League and he can't do it. It, does Arteta keep on putting him in to prove out whether he can get Tavares back on side? I, I don't know whether that I, I don't know whether that's the the key issue here. It's like can he do a job? And Arteta did a pretty uh, sorry. Granite Jacker did a pretty good job at left back last season. But if you've got no Thomas Partey, can you afford to have a Sambila Conga Mo El Nenny midfield? Because that just fills me with dread. I mean, let's be let's be perfectly clear here. Sambila Conga is a uh, a fabulous player. I thought he did really well when he came on. Looked far more dangerous than Thomas Partey did to, today. But he's I don't know whether he's strong enough to carry a Moe Nenny. No. Like it just it feels like that's a, a fantasy, especially because our remaining nine games are not easy. We've got there's a lot there's a lot of tough games, a lot of tough games coming up. So um it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be really difficult. And maybe maybe Arteta could say the reason that I took Tavares off was that I needed, um, you know, Granite Jacker dropping from central midfield uh, into a left-back position was a tactic that we used earlier on in the season or last season, right? So maybe maybe it was a pure tactical reason versus uh, you disgraced yourself. Because uh, it, it, it would be pretty harsh. I mean, Thomas Partey had a disaster. Jacker was completely anonymous. Lacazette was, was terrible. Ben White and Gabriel were awful to, to yank the, the 20-year-old um, to make an example of him again would seem a little bit harsh, but like you know, who knows? Who knows? I mean, I mean, let let's potentially frame because we don't know what the conversations are being had in the dressing room and how you've 
but it is is one potential solution that Arteta can just say to Tavares, look, I, I have to switch this up from a tactical point of view. We saw him even hook Cedric by the end of the game, and he was obviously, you know, rejigging his pieces. So there's an idea that Tavares might not take it as personally. But also, let's not rule out, you know, in terms of potential motive of Arteta, he looked at the performance of him in the first half, and rather than say, you know, I'm done with this guy, I can't, you know, I can't use him anymore. I don't want to destroy this guy's confidence, and I am going to have to use him again. Get him off the pitch, because if we get beat 5-6-0 and he's getting ragdolled all the time, he's not going to be going, oh, well, at least the manager left me on <laughs> to, you know, to, to, to give me a go to prove myself. No, he's going to be like, I'm not sure I'm up to this level like a lot of the fans are, are thinking right now. So maybe Arteta did it to spare him as much as anything else, because uh, he certainly looked, he just didn't look up to it. And it, But again, I want to be clear, he was not alone. There were other players, senior players, ones that we've come to rely on, who didn't look at the races. And I place a lot more responsibility on those who have been playing all the time. There's no excuse with those guys. Um, and ultimately... That they were always going to be the bedrock and the building block for us getting top four and achieving our goals this year. Whereas, you know, the likes of Nuno Tavares, inbuilt in the fact that you're not playing every week means that you're probably a little bit inconsistent. That's probably why you're not playing every week, you know? I actually think that that is, the, that is probably the key issue out here. And, you know, we've said this numerous times before. Eddie Nketiah should have been getting more minutes this season. If he was part of our striking options, he should have been getting more minutes this season because if you'd given him 20 minutes as opposed to three minutes here and there, and you'd given him 20 minutes on the regular, give him a give him a few games on his own just to see how he can develop, he'd be scoring goals by now. And Sambi Lukonga has a great, you know, like steps in for Granit Xhaka after he gets injured. And Arsenal climb up the table. He's brilliant. And then we don't see him again for six, seven weeks. And now we've got to rely on Sam Conga again. I mean, how many minutes has he had since January? Not a lot. He's not going to be match fit. And Nuno Tavares, uh, you know, I, I know it's difficult to bring in a left back, especially when you've got someone as good as Kieran Tierney in the mixer. But give him minutes because you know Kieran Tierney is going to get injured long-term um, at some point. So I, I think that the lack of rotation... It's like the lack of rotation is also... Um, Arteta will know that there's Arteta out hashtags after every bad result. He knows that there's not a lot of forgiveness in the system for him, or at least there hasn't been until that Aston Villa game. So it's um, you can see why he tries to push players forward. But I, I do think that we are about to maybe suffer the consequences of a lack of squad rotation. Um, and, you know, and to be honest, Johnny, we already are the reason Tommy Asu is is injured is because we didn't rotate him through December. And what's become apparent after is actually Cedric was a pretty decent option at right back and could step in and could step up. And I, I think Cedric said before the game that Tommy Asu's fit, but I'm getting started. Um so it's uh I I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a very interesting uh, run in and I, I wonder if there's any regret already about some of those problems. So um, just because there is a lot of doom prophecy that goes on after every single bad result, uh, fan base, uh, our, our fan base <laughs> really needs to um, to wind it in a little bit. But the the top four race, Arsenal are level points. Uh, we're behind. We're in fifth at the moment. 
got one game in hand over Spurs. Um, Spurs are now the favourites. Let's be perfectly honest. Um, Matt Candela, who's not here today because it's his wife's birthday, is thinks that top four is in trouble now. Johnny, are you feeling confident or is it almost impossible to feel confident after a shocking performance like that? Where are we in the top four race? So this this is it. Like I don't I don't think Tottenham are favoured, so I think it's 50-50 now. And I do so because the way I think this is the way I look at it. I can't tell everyone else to look at it um the same way. You know, people read into different things. That's fair enough. Everyone has their own kind of outlook. But anyone who before this game thought that Arsenal were going to win out just win every week and we were just going to get top four, Is in was in cloud cuckoo land. It was never going to happen. We were going to drop points. I knew we were going to drop points. Arteta knew we were going to drop points. The players know we we're going to drop points. If you look at it, Palace away is a difficult game. It will always look like there was a chance of dropping points. I would have liked to have, you know, you know, uh, lessened the blow and maybe made it a draw away from home or whatnot. It, it can happen. But all it means is... You have a collection of games, so 10 games or whatever, and we were only allowed to lose, I think, probably a couple of those games and still get over the line. Tottenham have got Liverpool to play at Anfield. I expect them to get beaten. Um, They're not as good. Look, the fact is, is that some of the way, some of the reasons why our confidence has built has been this newfound resilience and consistency that we've been pumping out. And that's what made us believe that we were going to get over the line. But confidence is a fragile thing, and so is momentum. And at the moment, it feels like Tottenham are in the ascendancy because they've been winning. They can lose next week. They've got to go to Villa, go away. Villa can, Villa can beat Tottenham. Tottenham are not infallible. The scariest thing about them is that Kane looks like he's finally woken up from his you know, grizzly bear hibernation, and he's actually turned up. In a, but in a similar way, I think Saka has done that somewhat for us as well, who at a very start to this, uh, a quiet start to the season, but now he looks much more scary. The issue is, for us in comparison, their striker is as deadly as anyone in the league when he starts turning it on. And we've got a striker who cannot score goals, doesn't look up to it. And when we're not playing at our swashbuckling best, looks like it, you know, he shouldn't really have a place on the pitch, quite frankly. And even listen to the words to come out of my mouth, considering what I've said. Based on today's performance, I think Eddie Nketiah should be starting over him. That was really shit from... Because that lovely little effort from Eddie at the end, Laka's not even doing that anymore. It's it's really, really getting to the stage now where we... You know, I, I've been championing him. I, lo- I love what he brings to our build-up play and, you know, he sets players up. But, you, mate, you've got to carry some threat and you're getting chances. But... If Laka can get it together a little bit, and ultimately we absolutely have to beat... If we don't beat Brighton at home on Saturday, you can absolutely forget about it. I don't care if party's out and we are starting with Lacombe midfield. We have to be putting teams like Brighton at home to the sword. But what I would have hoped for, and this is what I, I think it boils down to, I'm not sure whether we will, but if we get to that Tottenham game and we, and we don't have to... Basically, if we're in a situation where we can draw that Tottenham game and still, you know, be in the lead in the top four race, I think we'll do it. If we have to go to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and beat them, that's when it starts becoming a task that 
if anyone, you know, performs like they did today, we're not going to be able to carry them. We're going to have to have everyone, you know, at top speed in a game like that. So our chances have taken a hit. But if we can get back to winning ways against Brighton, who knows what will happen with Tottenham? They're they're in the position they're in because they also have vulnerabilities within their team. And it only takes a Harry Kane hamstring pull and, and the wheels will come off them, guys. No question about it. But we do have to fix our issues quickly. And it may take some of that, some of what we talked about before about a radical approach to our attacking lineup, i.e., maybe putting Martinelli in ahead of Lacazette and just going all three of them and just seeing what happens. It might get to that stage sooner rather than later because we are going to have to score goals to get over this line. And if Lacazette's anywhere near the kind of form he showed today, that's just not going to be enough, I don't think. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I think I agree with that. And a few games ago, Spurs, uh, you know, they beat City and then they went and lost to Burnley. They've, uh, they're, they're more than capable uh, of an implosion. The, the big difference for, for me with them is, it, you know, it is the game changers up front, and the hope is that Eddie Nketiah becomes a game changer in the, in the next nine games, which feels like a bit of a long shot. But you know. Uh, We've. Uh, this is the third game we've lost in fourteen games. We've been in great form. You know, if we beat Brighton, we go three points ahead of Spurs. It's still in our hands. Um, and I also think that you you you've got to remember international break is going to rock Arsenal more than it's going to rock Crystal Palace. I mean, Kieratini lost. Thomas Partey lost. Martin Odegaard. Um, was was terrible today uh, away on international break. Ben White on international break. Gabriel Martinelli on international break. Coming back from Brazil, um, those are you know those are difficult things to deal with. Chelsea got smashed at home by Brentford at the weekend, so it, it can happen to anyone in the Premier League. Um, I don't think um, I, I, people are like it's we're going to finish sixth. It's like oh, people need to, to to get a grip. Um, like this this is a, hopefully going to be a one off. My concern is just how we adapt um, to the injury problems. And look, the good news is that Tommy Yasu um, might be fit. Uh, so like, having him back in defence will be a, a massive win for us. Have I seen Cedric Suarez play at left-back before? Has he yeah. done that? Yeah, someone's make- put it in the comments, haven't they? And I think that's a good point. Like, you know, if it comes to having issues with Nuno Tavares, Cedric seems like he might... You know, it depends who you're playing, though, doesn't it? You wouldn't want Cedric at left-back playing against Salah, but if you're playing against Cucurella or someone like that at Brighton, I'm sure Cedric could do a job for a week. Uh, but we, we are going to need these guys back. And, you know, we're also going to have to start asking people to, you know, suck it up and start playing through injuries if need be. Thomas Party, what's what's happened to him today? But, you know, it, it might come down to the stage where we're going to have to get those old... Painkilling injections out, you know. Get the cortisone in. <laughs> exactly. You know, the magic spray, which everyone knows was actually water. I think they're going to need to inject that. That's the painkilling inject. Just inject them with water. You're good as gold there, Thomas Party. No groin strain doesn't hurt anymore. So, um, you know, we are going to, we're going to need our top players to get us over the line. But um, it, it, the, the fact is, this there are going to be twists and turns. In this running, I, I I fully thought that was going to be the case. But also, just to kind of clarify as well, when I say, if you look at our 10 games, 
we were going to lose a couple and still be able to do it. It just means that when people look at our fixtures, initially they would look at a game against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and think, oh, that's going to be tough to get something. Or a game at Tottenham Hotspur, that's going to be tough to get something. But the fact is, is if we lose away at Crystal Palace, it just means that some of those games that we initially thought might be tricky, we are going to have to go and do something. We are more than likely going to have to go to Stamford Bridge and get, you know, a win. I think we can. I, I think we match up quite well against Chelsea as opposed to how I said about Liverpool match up quite, you know, uh, negatively towards Arsenal as in we, we get, we're not set up well to deal with them. So I do think we could, especially after what Brentford showed that they uh, could um, could do at Stamford Bridge, I think we can go in there and hope to get three points. But our margin of error is getting less and less every week. And quite frankly, we're going to see what this team is made of now. Because if 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 the changes that we saw in culture recently are real and to be believed, then the leaders of the team will start standing up. They will bounce back. And this can't just be a new funk that we go into when the, you know, when the, when the tension gets high and the pressure comes on and people start folding. We we need a massive performance on the weekend. Yeah, we need to beat Brighton. We need to go to Southampton away, no problems. Uh, and then we've got to do the job against Chelsea. And I would I fancy us against Chelsea this season. Yeah. I, you know, I, I I don't think that they've been as as good as everybody made out. Um, I think they've got a whole heap of problems, and to to lose uh, to to concede four goals after going one nil up in the second half, that is a team that is a team that can be got at. Um, but we do need players back from injury for that game. Um, like make no mistake about that. But yeah, I, I think the the Brighton game at the weekend will be a, a big test. The, the crowd's got to show up. Um, for that game, like the, the the players are going to need their support, and uh, you know, kind of what a reference the a Jurgen Klopp interview today. He was talking about you know, it, it helps having a team of 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 winners for sure, but what what really helps in moments like this is maturity. And the most disappointing thing about today is the lack of maturity came from our more senior players. I think Thomas Partey, when he went away to Ghana, lost the ball the most. I think he lost it 17 times and he just brought that form back and it's like sometimes when Thomas Partey's off he's really really off and I feel like when the heartbeat of your side um drops a level so does everybody else right so he's he's the one that's really got to set the example and I really really hope that this tweak that he felt um like they're saying that you know someone in the comments is saying that he felt an old injury which is a little bit worrying because it's that thigh that he had a problem with before. So let's let's hope that that's not serious. Or let's hope that anybody that comes back into to, to the team can do a good job. We've seen Sam Conga can do a good job. I would feel comfortable with Sam Conga next to Granit Xhaka um, against Brighton at the weekend. But the, the, the slight concern is Brighton will do the same thing that Palace did because they did it to us earlier on in the season. Just absolutely bulldoze us for the first 20 or 30 minutes. And, and then it's a question of how well we can recover off the back of that. Yeah, well, um, so a couple of things. Firstly, I think the best scenario with Thomas Partey was that he was playing so shit that he actually faked an injury to justify how shit he was. I've done it before. I have done it before. You know, like, you know, when I'm talking Marsh's level and it's like, here you go, Johnny. Someone's played me in. Make a name for yourself. Shanked it wide. Go down. Oh, my ankle. 
Yeah, that's the only reason I missed that because my ankle's tweaked. You know what I mean? I've been there. I've done it. Let's hope Thomas Party is, you know, trying trying to um, get get some uh, exculpatory evidence. You know, a, a different alibi and and pretend that he's hurt rather than he, he legitimately is. Um, that being said, Lukonga comes in. He gets an opportunity now. And um, one of the things that we have seen is that. We have been powered to where we are by giving youth a chance. By using their energy, their vibrance, they've brought something that, quite frankly, senior players just haven't been able to do in recent times. And I I feel most confident when placing my money on those guys at the moment. Young players who don't necessarily have the know-how, but they have the hunger and the energy. And I think Lukonga's got every opportunity now, particularly when you're playing against Brighton at home. That's not the hardest fixture you're going to get in the Premier League. And I hope Lukonga can show that he is ready to take on a bit of responsibility in this running. You know, and if he ultimately is going to break into this team, it is by now. He's had nearly a full season that we are... And, and don't get me wrong, he's already shown really good uh, glimpses of good play. So, you know, there, there's plenty of promise there. But I'd like at this stage of... Particularly the fact that he is quite a young leader as well, for him to come in and show that, you know, we're not going to be gathering Moss when he's in the team. He He's going to be able to come in and perform at that level, and I hope he can. Just to come back on your point about Brighton, listen, it's different to play Brighton at their ground, howling winds. Brighton, when it's cold, it's horrible, you know. And I remember it was a dingy night. We, weren't, we didn't have enough um, cachet in the bank in terms of playing this new way that Arteta wanted us to. So that when we were set up against an industrious kind of low block, can't whack balls into the box with Mark Duncan, you know, absolute statues like that, just nodding things away. And Lacazette's not going to be able to get on the end of it, even even if they weren't big and tall. Um, But the fact is, is when they're coming into the Emirates, we're all about, when we play at home, quick, dynamic football. And that's exactly the kind of team that I think we can roughhouse. Because... What if, if you're going to start sitting deep like we were getting into at times with Brighton, just tossing balls into the box and playing in and around and we weren't at our best, they're going to find it easy. But if we have fast attacking players with loads of movement, Mark Dunk, people like this, right? You know, um, who's the other geezer? Velt, Jan Veltman. They're not going to, they don't like being run ragged and it doesn't play to their strength. So if we can get at them and, um, be really dynamic in terms of our attacks. I think we'll create lots of opportunities against them and we just have to take them. And whether whether or not that is via Lacazette or a new solution that we all thought might have to happen, including the likes of Pepe and Martinelli um, in that nine, uh, then I think we have to do it. But we have to see Brighton away. Otherwise, this dream will run out of steam very, very quickly. Yeah, I agree with that. So, just, And just, just before we... Uh... We finish off this one. Um, what, what did you think about the refereeing today? I, I, like, I understood the penalty that we conceded. You know, it was... It, Saha was looking for it, but uh, Erdegaard gave it to him. And the, the commentators on the TV said, well, you know, it's it's contact. And, you know, that's all you need. I, I didn't understand um, how Saka, how the Saka one wasn't a penalty. Like, he, he clattered into him. He didn't get the ball. It was a tanglement of legs, but that was contact. How was that not a penalty? 
you know, it felt, felt like the referee was keen to give it against us, but no interest uh, at the other side. Yeah, there the Saka one, there was certainly a Jada Pinkett Smith entanglement of legs um, in the box, and you know, oh, I'm I'm a comedian putting yeah, his watch fucking out. wife's mat name in my mouth. So I, <laughs> you know, I'm lucky I'm in Essex and not in uh, LA right now, getting slapped. But um, yeah, you know, there was an entanglement, and um, I thought I thought that it was a fifty-fifty. For that, for that sack of one. I'm going to call it. I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm biased. You're not going to get them every week, that's for sure. But I think they actually lent into him a lot more than what it initially looked like. And I think you could have gave it. And But the fact is, is that this is the, that's the kind of situation where it gets so tricky with VAR. Because if the referee had watched it again, he might, might have changed his mind. But VAR are not going to make him watch that again because... The way that it's been going, it's almost if the VAR tells the referee to go and watch it, it's a proxy for we are reversing that decision because it's so rare that they don't do it. And I don't think that VAR watching it are going to say that is a clear and obvious error ultimately. You know, even though I think it was slightly more a penalty than not a penalty, it wasn't like an excruciatingly bad decision, I don't think. Their one. I think it, you know, probably was a penalty. But if you look at him in isolation, I think there was much, they're kind of similar levels of a penalty. However, the way that it happened made the referee, uh, because like in terms of the way that Zahar just falls down and Erdegaard, you've got to be a bit smarter there, you know. And I think they kind of just made the referee's mind up for him. You, you saw how long he took. He replayed that in his mind a few times. And he, I think he was thinking about the angle of Erdogan's leg. Ultimately, it doesn't take much to send Zaha to the floor. And, you know, we were just, we were victims of some marginal calls there. But ultimately, I don't think the referee, you know, was particularly harsh on us. It's easy to always blame the ref. I actually think there was a few challenges from us that he let go quite well. And um, so, you know... I'm not saying that that's what you're going to do, what you are doing, but if anyone's coming away from that game thinking that we lost 3-0 because the referee, you know, didn't go our way, then I think you're being, it's wishful thinking. At the end of the day, Palace deserved that win. We weren't up to it and we're going to have to be much better in future to um, get the victories that we're going to need. And uh, Patrick Vieira uh, going up in everybody's estimation, boxes out City. Smashes Arsenal. He's doing a good job. Done Tottenham as well. So, you know, I love him. It's the only, I mean, it's not much of a silver lining because at the end of the day, we needed that. Uh, We needed a result today and it's tough to watch. But I love Patrick and I I hope he gets really far in the the FA Cup, if not win it. And because like you say, his, his managerial profile is getting seriously bolstered at the moment. I think he's done a fantastic job so far. And, you know, we we don't know how things are playing out, but at the end of the day, I hope that he ends up with a top job because at the moment, I think he's, he's done everything the right way managerially. And I would have liked to have seen Arsenal give him a lot more love throughout uh, his, you know, his time trying to prove himself as a coach, but it is what it is now. Um, but yeah, we wish Patrick all the best. No one, there's no one in the Arsenal community going to be saying anything else. It's just a, a shame that he had to put us to the sword today because we were 
completely below par. And they put in a performance that was reminiscent of their manager's intensity and what he used to bring to the party for Arsenal. Yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic uh, performance from Pajarera. And I, I love him. He's he's never going to go the way of David O'Leary. I don't think he'll. Uh, I don't think he, he he will ever showcase that he enjoyed it. Inside, he's probably enjoying it, but I don't think he'd ever showcase it to the fans in the same way. So, well done, Patrick Vieira. That's a a, a fun, young, and dynamic team. I just wish that we'd managed the day a little bit better, so we could be patronising to him. Exactly. Exactly. Do you know what? One little thing as well. Um, on the last podcast. And this is a kind of footnote. It's also just to show that we do listen to you guys. Oh, I certainly listen to you in terms of feedback. And someone brought up to me, because do you remember I was saying about the fact that we had to go through the Xhaka, um, you know, kind of nervous uh, nervous run towards the end of the game where he's carrying a book in. And someone said and, and put some facts out that Xhaka's never had a second yellow card. He's always had straight reds. And I did not know that. It was it. And it, it and, and it speaks to the perception that grows, not just because if you think about it, I'm an Arsenal fan and I watched lots of Arsenal, but my mind had told me that Xhaka had been getting these second yellows for real discipline, but it was an actually the case. He has obviously been sent off a lot less as well than what many people think that he has, but he's been getting straight reds when he has been sent off. And I'm, I, I, I bring that up as a case in point for the fact that if I, as an Arsenal fan, who ultimately is supporting Xhaka as a, you know, a conduit to my support for Arsenal, then think about how the referees are viewing it. Because they're probably sitting there thinking, yeah, Xhaka gets red cards, he's he's ill-disciplined, he'll, get, he'll, he'll do something when he's on a yellow card that will make me give him a second one, you know. And when we talk about the reputation goes before the man, well, this is kind of it in practice, actually. And so... Hold my hands up for those uh, eagle-eared listeners. Um, yeah, I, I did believe that Xhaka had got more second yellows, and he hasn't. So, well done to him. Obviously, he got booked today again, and he kept his cool, continuing that um, good discipline. And um, ultimately, you know, we're, we're going to have to lean on him and others, other experienced players, and they are going to have to keep their heads, not doing anything stupid, because, again, just to double down that point, our margin of error just got a lot shorter and I hope that we can bounce back straight away. I wonder what it is with Granite Checker. Maybe he's just really annoying. He's got a real <laughs> screechy voice or something. He's the guy, or the guy in the WhatsApp group who's just always <laughs> annoying, just nagging people. It's like, just leave us alone, Granite. And people have had to put him on hide, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's on mute. Exactly. People are hiding their blue ticks from him. Yeah, Granite's at me again. Yeah, he's pissing people off. But... You know, the fact is, is that he's part of the Arsenal family and we are going to need him. That's for sure. Yeah, agreed. Okay, uh, Johnny, thanks for joining. Where can people find you um, on the internet this week? Your BT thing was very funny. Can't believe they let you do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, who who would have funk it? You know, BT Sport letting an Arsenal fan do completely unbiased reporting, of course. But uh, yeah, um, as always, I'm at iJohnnyCochran on my socials. Do come follow me. It's always nice to speak to fellow gooners and uh, get a feel for how we're all feeling. Um, that's usually got my, if I am doing any more BT sport things, um, I'll put it all on there. Uh, so the little Arsenal clips, as well as some other exciting footballing opportunities, but can't even talk about 
those at this stage. Um, Russell, Russell Kane, you were on with the, the Russell Kane, the, yeah. the celeb. Yeah, that was um, Man, the Man Baggage podcast, which is out now. It's all about decisiveness uh, between men and women. Um, it's breaking down a lot of the uh, stereotypes and um, taboos around um, about uh, around males, essentially, and emotional males, uh, I should say. And so I was on with Jess Phillips, the MP, and she, yeah, we were talking about being decisive. And, you know, so I urge everyone to listen to it or not, but just make a fucking decision, guys, okay? That's all we want. <laughs> so Nice. Okay, thank you to everybody that's been chatting along on Twitch and uh, YouTube Live. We love reading your comments as we go through. There's been a lot of people on there today. Uh, And if you are listening to this via a podcast on Spotify, you can now give us a five-star. And you can also give us a five-star review and a little written written piece. We do like to go through them, not the mean ones. Um, But if you you get the chance, give us that review. We really appreciate it. And on that note... We will be back for uh, the Brighton game next weekend. It will be live. It will be on the whistle. And we look forward to seeing you. Ciao. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.